Here's what's coming up on this week's show. Do you have a favourite sausage? Oh. <laughs> not, a question, not a question that's ever been asked on this podcast before. <laughs> I probably could have worded that better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there with a podcast that helps small businesses grow uh, by having a whole bunch of experts on and know a thing or two about helping small businesses grow. Now, if this is your first time with us, uh, hi, uh, make sure you hit follow on the podcast platform that you're listening to us on and uh, leave us a review too. That'd be really useful. Let us know what you think about the podcast after you've listened. And same applies if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while. If you haven't done either of those two things, that would be really cool. I think we're hitting an interesting topic today, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially, we've, well, we've touched on this before about the power of collaboration and business businesses looking to work in partnership with you know other organizations and uh, yeah we've touched on it a few times but yeah we're actually going to be focusing on talking about the power of collaboration and how you can actually approach the big boys in business yeah this is an episode that's been on our radar for a while talking to someone about the best way to collaborate with other businesses but this guy actually goes the next level and while he works with a slightly bigger business than maybe you or I or some of the smaller businesses that listen to this podcast he collaborates with the really big boys the likes of McDonald's and Compare the Market and cinema chains big national and international brands so he's a small business talking to a huge one yes we're going to be talking to Lawrence King and Lawrence works for an organisation called Hustle and what they do is they are a network of gyms pools spas and health and fitness apps and they work in collaboration with a lot of organisations so they can add value and complement the services that they offer their own clients. So let's hear a little bit more from Lawrence about how he plays with the big boys. This is the Big Little Business Show. Probably important first to understand what your business does before we learn more about our topic because then it's going to make a bit more sense. Absolutely. Yeah, so so Hustle is the largest flexible fitness network in the UK. So we work with around 2,000 gyms, pools and spas and we offer a range of flexible products. So this, this ranges from day passes to monthly no-contract multi-site gyms. So it's really aimed at getting a new audience into fitness facilities. I get you. Um, So I guess the idea behind what we're talking with you about is something that we've noticed that you do really well. And we think our audience could learn from that is the fact that you are not scared to collaborate with businesses that are way bigger than you, are you? Absolutely not. No. How does that work? Talk us through how that works and how you collaborate with bigger businesses. When I joined Hustle, kind of my remit was how do we open up what is a really cool B2C product that's working for the masses? And how do we um, collaborate with brands larger, typically at least um, UK kind of coverage? Um, and how do we kind of partner with them to access new audiences and bring new commercial be- investment into the fitness sector? So in my experience, uh, you know, the, the brands that you typically see partnering with um, with the kind of UK brands that we're talking about, you know, large banks, telco companies, um, insurers, you know, things like cinema, 
dining is often used as a reward or benefit for their customers. You know, you can kind of think quite, you know, some of the most recognizable brands look at, you know, two for one meerkat movies being kind of the obvious choice. Um, Fitness and gym is something that hasn't really been done on that scale before. Reasons being, um, you know, coverage is the key one. You know, if a, if a company like um, Compare the Market was to partner with just one gym chain, um, even the largest gym chain only have around 300 locations, which just is, is not large enough to cater for a UK-wide audience. The beauty with Hustle is that they had this ready-made network set up and ready to go. So what we my pitch basically, and, and what we identified is that there is a need there. Businesses all up and down the country are looking to um, acquire, attain, or create a more loyal base for using um, partnerships. They haven't been able to do it in gym, and we can cater for that. And that's kind of the the pitch that we're going in with, and it's what's been successful for us so far. Mm-hmm. So um, connecting with new people as a business owner is obviously vital for building those you know long lasting, sustainable relationships. But do you feel that some people are actually quite fearful of speaking to you know the bigger players in business? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think you know. We don't necessarily class Hustle as a small business, but obviously compared to the likes of McDonald's, Vodafone, Premier Inn, we're not on their level. I think from our perspective, um, we believe that we have a product that is right for these guys and right for their customers. So we shouldn't be fearful about speaking to them. Ultimately, you know, if our mission is to introduce a new breadth of customer into gyms, we need to be going out to the widest possible audience, which is why we're going for the biggest possible names and the biggest possible audiences that we can. And it's a really brave thing to do that, Lawrence. So uh, you must have sat down at some point in your boardroom and come up with this idea and thought, right, okay, we need to collaborate here with um, other businesses so yeah, we get to where we need to be. So at which point did one, must must have been one of you sat around that table and said, I don't know, what about McDonald's? Or what about uh, Bupo? And then the rest of you would have <laughs> laughed them out of the room. No, we can't go with them. They're way too big. I mean, that, must, that conversation must have taken place. Um, I mean, yes, we, we're, we're confident in what we got, what we have and what we can do. But you are right. I think if you look at your average kind of typical business owner, there probably is a bit of fear there thinking well maybe we don't have something right i think you know if you have confidence in your product and you know you have something that can meet that partner's need then you shouldn't be brave you shouldn't shouldn't be scared about getting in touch with them um you know these big organizations face the same challenges that smaller organizations do um so for me if you have something that you can approach these big brands with that addresses their business challenges then you should be confident in what you're doing you must have thought, right, okay, you've got to, you've got to grow some pretty big balls to be able to phone McDonald's up and say, hey, we've got an idea. We're a titchy com- company in comparison to you, but check this out. What, what made you think, right, okay, uh, we can do this? Um, to be honest, I think what you've got to do is look, look at what these brands are doing already. So if you have a look at the brands that, we, that, that I've mentioned, the likes of um, Vodafone, the likes of McDonald's, you know, McDonald's is a really interesting case because they've got one of the most successful um, sales promotions in the UK. So this is their monopoly promotion and it's been running for something like 20 years. So there, for me, there was a, you know, a channel there, which was, a, which was something that we can speak to them about. You know, what we're not doing is going in and saying, 
hey, McDonald's, this is something completely out of scope with what you're doing. You know, they had a channel which is highly relevant. You know, they're looking for new partners that can help contribute to their prize pool each year. Um, I think the bold thing for me was actually kind of pitching um, gym and fitness to someone like McDonald's, which clearly isn't an obvious link. You just wouldn't think to do that, would you? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. And I think from our perspective that the, it, it, it might not look right on the face of it, but, you know, if our mission is to bring a new type of customer into gyms, we're not going to find that at fitness expos. You know, we're going to find that in places like McDonald's. So for us, it was a natural fit. Yeah, I guess there's no point in preaching, the, preaching mm. to the converted, is there? This is absolutely it. Um, and then from, from their side, I guess, um, you know, they've run prizes in the past, you know, things like minis, um, things like holidays um, for a company like McDonald's, which is obviously trying to bolster its health credentials. Actually, the idea of partnering with a gym business became quite appealing. Um, so so it's a win-win from, from our perspective and from theirs. So if people maybe who are listening, who are looking to approach somebody who they haven't already thought of, um, what advice would you give to them in terms of um, pitching that idea. So what sort of things would they need to be thinking about before they possibly approach a, a really big brand? I think you touched on one a little bit, Lawrence, didn't you, which was research. You kind of, you, you obviously mm. re- had a little bit of a look at what they were doing first and mm. identified uh, some sort of a collaboration opportunity, I guess. Absolutely. I thought I was, was going to say research is absolutely the number thing, one thing you want to do. So before we even get to uh, the level of identifying a particular partner, you know, we have a look at industry sectors. So you've got to take a look at what you've got yourself. What value can you offer brand partners that you might want to partner with? Um, you, can then, uh, you can then kind of break that down to sectors. So for us, you know, things like insurance make sense. Um, things like um, apparel and fitness wear make sense. Um, and then once you've kind of got to that sector level, you can look down at actual brand level and look at what the major players within that sector are going. We'll always be targeting the largest in that sector first. You've got to aim for the top, but you might have a tier two of target that you want to go for as well. Um, you want to make sure before you're even approaching these guys, you know exactly what they're doing, what, what they're talking about, what their potential challenges will be so that you can adapt your sales pitch for their specific needs. And to be honest, I even go down to a personal level. So you're not just saying, hey, Mr. McDonald's, I know that your company has this issue, but you actually- Mr. McDonald's. Tell me there's someone in McDonald's called mm. Mr. McDonald's. That'd be so cool, wouldn't Mr. it? McDonald's. I wouldn't be just, it's, <laughs> yeah, that'd be it's funny. It's so big. I'm sure there's hundreds of people called Mr. McDonald's. <laughs> they probably live on farms as well. It's worth pointing out you're not approaching Ronald McDonald, the clown guy. <laughs> no, this year, obviously. <laughs> I don't even think they use him anymore, do they? Oh, I haven't found his LinkedIn page, but maybe. <laughs> um, but no. That would yeah, be odd. I'm going to go look. <laughs> But for me, it goes down to who you're actually interacting with. So, you know, like most businesses, you know, most most contacts or sales roles are in, you're going to be scoping out who you want to speak to within the organization. For me, it's actually identifying what the requirement of that particular individual will be looking for. Oh, that's interesting. So it's actually looking. And if, if, you're, if you're pitching 
an incentive, which is to use the retention, you know, talking to the retention source, don't just talk about the business objectives, actually talk about what their day-to-day objective is going to be and how you can help them personally. Because if you can actually address their needs and they know that they can go back to their stakeholders internally with a great idea that's going to make them look good, then you're going to stand a far greater chance of succeeding. Really good idea. So one of the things I think that you're saying that you do when you are part of that sort of research sort of part of the process, I guess, is you you need to go and find out who within the organization you need to speak to. And then perhaps you need to stalk them a little bit and find out what they're about. So then you can touch their, you know, touch their emotions personally. 100%, 100%. That's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. It's a really good tip. And the challenge you have often is that if you're really targeting the larger organizations, there are so many stakeholders internally that finding out who the right person to speak to can be quite a challenge because job roles aren't even generic across companies. You know, that's very mm -hmm. true. Yeah. So how would you do that? So what kind of approach do you take to make sure that you get the right person? Because I guess you could quite easily get the wrong person. You can quite easily get the wrong person. And I must admit, um, you know, part of what I do is trying to speak to as many people as I can within businesses. So sometimes it's just trying to get someone that is willing to speak to you. If you have no prior existing relationship, you know, it's trying to get someone who will engage with you. And if you've got a compelling enough story, someone will come back to you and provide some advice. So often, even if the person I've reached out to is just making, making it up, but if it's a marketing director, you know, but actually the, the project that I'm talking about sits within a retention team, often they will give you a referral. And that's a really nice in as well, because you can reference one of their colleagues when you're approaching the right individual. The other way to do it is to, you know, speak to connections within the industry. So, you know, I've been in the, the industry for a long while. So speaking to various colleagues or peers or ex-colleagues that I know um, that know these organisations often be quite helpful in directing you to the right individual as well. So it's kind of some old school networking is often a really good route in. So if people um, who are listening to this are thinking about um who they should actually target, which you referred to earlier. Mm. Um, what suggestions would you make to them to, you know, who they should be looking for maybe to collaborate with? Who would be the best partners for them? How would they know that? Um, I mean, the way we do it, first and foremost, or, you know, it, we did it when we first started this process and we often have regular reviews to make sure we are still targeting the right people, is to first and foremost have a look at who your audience is and have a look at what, um, you know your objectives are I think you've got to start from your own business you know for so from our instance we identified the customer segments and the customer user cases for who actually uses hustle um, and then you can kind of start looking at the sectors and uh, businesses that will have a similar audience demographic so for instance we know that because we've got such a broad coverage, we've got um, products that allow people multi-site access and day pass access. We get lots of people who are away from their home using hustle. So people that are either traveling around on work, people who are commuting or people that are on holiday. So one of the outputs of that particular um, group was, well, actually, what about hotels? You know, these are people away from their home. They might have a membership directly at a gym next to where they live, but they won't have access when they're traveling around the UK. Hence, why not partner with a hotel? Out of that conversation, we we spoke to Premier Inn, who have no um, hotel, no leisure facilities at any of their sites, and actually kind of 
comes out, there's a really good match there. So clever. I think you've got you've got to start with with what you have and who you're trying to target, and that will inform you in terms of which sectors you should be speaking to. So you're almost identifying the problem first, um, thinking from the customer's perspective, and thinking right, where would they need some intervention from someone like you, and that and from that kind of then you kind of develop an understanding of who the best people to partner with are. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to take it out of gym for a sector, I live gym, so I often refer back to, to specifics. But, you know, in a, in a previous role, I, I worked with View and we looked, we looked after their um, kind of ticketing and promotions. This is the cinema chain, right? The cinema chain, yeah. yes. Um, and, and if you had a look at lots of the promotions they were doing, um, kind of on a more localised, smaller, granular level, it was with restaurants. You know, they go hand in hand. So it was actually you would get um, restaurants approaching us um, to say, hey, there's a there's a, a cinema just down the road from our from our restaurant. Can we do some form of meal deal packet together? So it's, again, a really nice audience fit. You've got people who are on a night out um, who are going for a meal. They would like the cinema. So why not do a small mm. localised partnership in that Brilliant. regard? So it doesn't have to be on a grand scale or national scale as well. You can do these types of partnerships on a more localised. This reminds me, Claire, of the conversation we had a couple mm. of weeks ago with Jennifer. We were talking about Facebook and she suggested yeah. one of the really good ways to boost your uh, engagement on Facebook is to collaborate with a similar kind of business or a business that kind of aligns with you a little bit and yeah, you talking about exactly yeah. how you do this is obviously on a much larger scale but it's a very similar principle absolutely mm. absolutely it's about it's about finding something that complements your own service or is targeting a similar audience because um, you know you can the, the, the value is there I guess it's it's not just the fact that you're either providing value or getting a new customer in. You've also got that brand of brand affinity there as well. Because you actually by partnering with 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 a brand that's trusted or a company that's trusted, you're kind of getting their reputation kind of haloed onto your brand as well. Powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I know Claire's got a question about um, about how the deal works, but it's just something that occurred to me. Have you ever kind of approached someone and they've gone? Nah, you're all right, thanks. Oh, so too many times to count, Paul. Um, I think, you know, there are businesses, especially on, on, on the large scale, they have so many kind of focus areas or priorities within their business that they'll be looking at that even if it's a fantastic idea, often they won't get off the ground because they've got a business direction that says they've got to look at something else. So what do you think the problem is with that? Do you think that's a, a kind of a case of you perhaps not doing enough research or pitching to the wrong people or what, what do you think went wrong? Some of this is you have to be in the right time at the right place, Paul. So you can have the most fantastic idea in the world, um, but if the stars don't align and you're business objectives aren't meeting at that particular time, you have to at some point say, okay, fantastic, glad that we're on the same page, but maybe we'll readdress this in the next couple of years. It might be about timing. It's, yeah. it's all about timing. I mean, we've I've been speaking to a particular um, insurer in the UK for probably three years now, um, and it's been, you know, lots of positive conversations. We really like what we've got. We can see there's a right fit, but it's not quite the right time. Um, and, you know, now things may be coming together. And you, that, that's kind of my approach, which is you can't make someone do something in partnerships. You know, you've got to wait for the right time to be right. Oh, I guess if it's not the right time, then you don't just forget about the whole thing. You just 
put a pin in it and come back to it later. This is exactly right. It's keeping that relationship going. It's making sure that you stay in contact, making sure you know what's happening within their business so that when the right time is, you can you can get back in touch and you can get things moving. So with regards to the objective, uh, objectives you mentioned earlier um, and making sure that you're identifying maybe where their need is prior to then speaking to that potential partner, um, do you establish actually what the benefits are for that person prior to speaking to them? So the benefits that they're going to get from the deal as well as yourself. So do you work that out first or is that something that maybe comes along organically throughout the conversations i think you you need to have a view from the outside you need to you need to have an idea of what their challenges might be and what you're putting together as a solution for that often when you're having a conversation with someone for the first time you might get a new piece of information that adjusts the way that you are thinking um, or what you might be pitching but you need to have an idea of what you're going to be proposing um, mm. I just, you know, it, it might be that the commercial, um, I'm making this up now, but it might well be that just the commercial requirements have changed from what you're thinking. It might be that when you're approaching them, you're thinking that they might invest in something and it might be that they're purchasing product from you, from speaking to them. It might then turn out that um, they're looking to create some revenue from it and it might be a revenue share opportunity or vice versa. But I think you need that starting point of, of the, an idea and you can then adjust as you go. Claire, you need to collaborate with a, an office furniture company so they can give you a chair that doesn't creak. I'm not, I'm not moving I'm like a statue because I know it's going to creak. Mind you, I'm no it. different. Listen, mine does it as well. Mine's better than yours. Oh, God, yours is awful. I, I win with the creakiness competition. All right, so I think it's quite obvious that there are some big benefits, Lawrence, to working with um, and collaborating with a big brand you've obviously got to have the balls to be able to approach them it's good to do the right research um are there any drawbacks the number one problem you face when you're speaking to a large organization is and it's a it's an analogy that's been said to me lots of times and i've said much is it, it, it can be like moving an oil, an oil tanker um you know these organizations are rigid organizations that have a structure often have had a structure in place for a number of years they'll have tech that's been in place for a number of years so when you're trying to get them moving or you know propose anything innovative um often you can find um either reluctance to change um or it takes time to change um whereas if you're partnering with a smaller organization they're usually a bit more agile and can implement partnerships a bit quicker um, and that is something that happens over and ago, over and over again when you're when you're speaking to large organisations, and they will admit it to them themselves. You know, often stakeholders within these organisations are frustrated about how long it can it can take. Um, so for me, you know, making sure you have a long pipeline of activities so that you're not reliant on one particular um, project landing is pretty important because. You know, for with the best will in the world, um, even if you've got something fantastic and everyone's agreed, you can't be walking into a McDonald's and demanding that things get changed immediately. So, um, I think patience. Can you imagine? I know. So, patience is one of the things that I would I would preach. I mean, if you look at the McDonald's deal, um, our external factors. I mean, we were we were due to to start working with them. Uh, back in March 2020, um, which uh, which was I think 
four days before the pandemic and lockdown. Yeah, something mm. happened around then, didn't it? What was that? Yep. Yeah, what was something no that, that rings a bell that date? I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, so I mean, though, you know, due due to that closure, you know, the the partnership and the promotion was was postponed initially by a year, then by eighteen months. Not only that, but you also had supply issues coming around August this year as well, which was kind of well documented. Um, so these external factors have all kind of uh, delayed, slightly modified the partnership. And you have to be a bit flexible when you're working with big partners like that. And I guess we've, we've, we've covered this many times on the show, Claire. Mm. I guess you've got to be not afraid for people to say no. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I think that what I mean, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. You, you can't be scared of rejection and you have to be bold and approach who you want to approach and not everyone will listen or not everyone will be able to listen. But if you speak to enough people, you will get someone that turns around and says, absolutely fantastic. That matches an absolute business meet we have now. So let's go ahead and do it. Um, you know, the nice thing I would say about the partnership approach is yes, it's a sales sales job. Yes. You're going into business and pitching to them, but actually in the spirit of a partnership, it's generally about how they how you can collaborate with that brand to improve things for both brands. You're not going in there and saying, I just want your money. Um, it's actually about how can we make something mutually beneficial together? So that it, it's a really nice approach to business, I find, which is how can we help each other? It's that power of collaboration. But the other kind of takeout that, that I can potentially give is, you know, if you do have a localized business, if you are a restaurant or you have a cafe or you have just one shop in a regional area, um, it might look on the face of it like someone like a Vodafone or, you know, a, a large telco uh, might not want to speak to you. But actually, if you can join a network, that is a potential route that you can get in with these big boys. So national coverage is obviously key. If you've got a brand that has a national audience, they want to be able to provide something that everyone can use. But there are networks out there that even localized businesses can join. Hostel, obviously, we're a gym network. Gyms can partner with us and uh, take part in these promotions that they wouldn't if they were on their own. But equally, in the restaurant space, you know, there are there are dining networks out there. Um, there are shopping networks out there that you can take part on. So, um, you know, if anyone owns a small business um, that doesn't think that they can access these audiences, there may well be channels that they can investigate to open them up. Mm-hmm. You know, you've come up with some amazing advice, Lawrence. Um, and I would, I think what would be really great, actually, if you had a recap on the top three tips that you would give to business owners who are looking to explore potential partnerships and to work in collaboration. First and foremost, it's doing your groundwork. Um, and by that, I mean knowing who your audience are, knowing what you've got to offer. Um, secondly, it would be about getting your pitch sorted, getting your story up front. Um, and thirdly, it would be being bold and being brave and not being scared of hearing no and carrying on because um, ultimately there are a lot of businesses out there. So if one isn't right for you right now, you shouldn't stop you and your confidence going forward. I was going to say with Christine, um, who we interviewed recently, um, how to get what you want. She touched on this and she said, you know, just 
ask you know ask the question you don't know until you ask the right questions mm. um because otherwise the answer is always going to be no if you if you just don't ask yeah that was last week yeah i couldn't agree more and often you'll be surprised at how many times it's actually a yes or someone's at least willing to have a conversation with you yeah, yeah and i guess gets us a little bit about your personality as well if that person clicks with you and thinks oh yeah lawrence is a nice guy actually i could see myself working with him or oh god he's a bit of a muppet i'm going to go anywhere near him i mean that the uh, that that thing must go through your head muppet i love that i love that word i haven't heard that word for ages <laughs> muppet, muppet. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we get to that point in the podcast and thank you so much lawrence i think that's a really really interesting little conversation we've learned an awful lot and mm-hmm. i think the, the, the take home is just you know get the balls and go and do it and there's yeah there's no harm in actually asking the questions so we've got a set of questions that we like to finish off with which we always finish off with which uh, are inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actors Studio they're totally unrelated to what we've been talking about but they're a bit of fun and they usually put our guests on the back foot and make them think, oh, hang on a minute, we've got to think deeply about these. Even some of our guests do lots of research, more research for these questions than maybe any of the others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I've had to do a little bit of thinking. I've, I've, I, ha- I did spend uh, some time thinking about what I could be saying here. So, no, I'm looking forward to this. You won't be the first. OK, Lawrence, what is your favourite smell? Uh, yeah, so this working for a gym business, this doesn't really fit in with that. Like I've said sausages cooking. Mm. Um, I am I'm a big foodie i love my foods and the the smell of sausages preferably on a barbecue or even better at a christmas market yeah. i don't I don't think yeah. do you have you know, a favorite sausage uh, <laughs> not a question not a question that's ever been asked on this podcast before <laughs> i probably could have worded that better yeah. i do actually my my brother is a butcher and his uh, his butchers do these amazing Italian sausages that have herbs and fennel in there. Oh, they lovely. are they're amazing. Uh, I could talk about sausages all day. Okay, if you could go on a dinner date with anybody at all, dead or alive, but alive at the time of your dinner date, who would it be? Yeah, this was a tough one. I couldn't really think. There's so many options. The one I came up with was Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, I mean, I was a I was a child in the '90s. I grew up with a class of '92. I almost put David Beckham on there, but I'm not sure how much conversation you actually get out of him. Nice to look it, at, it though. It would be lovely. I've got such a mind crush on that man. But anyway, that would be, would be a reason it would be embarrassing. Um, but yeah, Fergie, I mean, how great would it be to, to hear a, a little bit about his experiences, find out some stories, and also get some tips on, on management and... Uh, and how he stayed so long in the game. He's he's absolutely incredible. Thank you very much, Lawrence. That's been really interesting. I think we've learned an awful lot in a short space of time there. Mm. And hopefully it's empowered our listeners to think, right, OK, well, maybe I can do this. Um, so, I, I mean, I know this is um, not kind of your thing because you're not really a, a coach, but um, I'm sure if people wanted to, to uh, tap you up on social media somewhere and fire a question at you and ask for a little bit of advice, you'd be happy to help. So where can people come and find you? Absolutely. If anyone, if you best place is probably if you find me on LinkedIn, just search for Lawrence King. That's uh, Lawrence with a W. Um, I'm happy to get back to anyone. Um, I'm on LinkedIn for for large portions of the day, so we'll get back to you as quickly as I can. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. What's your favourite sausage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I can't believe you asked that question. I know, but it's when you start saying something and you've committed to it, so you have to finish. <laughs> but as soon as the words left my mouth, I was just like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> Sausages aside, that was a really interesting conversation and a really interesting to find out 
how much research he does not only about the company and how they can benefit from whatever he's trying to offer them but also the actual person that she he's going to speak to yet she finds out about them some more as well that's a something i hadn't even thought about before i think yeah it can be easy just to be caught up with the organization but it goes back to what we've talked about before about connecting with that individual to build up that rapport and that trust so if you were researching up that individual you're going to be actually forming a much stronger bond with that person and therefore they're going to be more likely to be open to what services you have to offer so it's brilliant and like we said time and time again claire don't be scared of the no word we can overthink things we can predict the outcomes and be fearful about just asking the question um so yeah for me i just thought you know let's not overthink things let's do the right research set up the call properly research the individual and then just go and approach them and ask i think that's something we've always done with a podcast as well isn't it and we talked about that with lawrence Mm. and how even though and i never even realized that we do that but we do we always kind of say oh who can we get that's really really big let's we want to try and get that person then this person and we see someone on linkedin or someone comes up on our radar or we see someone on tv and think oh they'll be a great guest for the podcast Mm. but not once have we sort of second guessed ourselves and thought oh no we can't get them they're way too big we've just gone for it i know and i've never thought about that before either we just just ask. So that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much to Lawrence for giving us loads of great um, advice on working with the big boys. And don't forget, if you know of someone who's a really big booking for us who might be interested in coming on the show, then please let us know. That'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to continue the conversation if you want to with us or with Lawrence by coming and finding us on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn too and you can get reference to all our back episodes by going onto our website biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk until next week say goodbye Claire bye bye you've been listening to the Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley you can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes Spotify TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show.